Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are inexplicably exhausted. Oh, good one. Uh, The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Yahoo! Know what I don't love, Megan? Hmm. This season of Outlander. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so we're just jumping right in, hey? Yeah, I think okay. we should just get to it. Well, let's let's hear it. It's bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It's bad. No, here's the problem. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna cut you right off because it's not bad. The problem with this season of Outlander is that last season was a so fucking good. And this book sucks. Uh, and this book, well, they've also, if I remember correctly, have like taken some stories storylines from the last book and combine them with storylines from book five. Uh-huh. And I think that's part of why it doesn't feel quite so... doesn't feel quite as cohesive, maybe, is the word. Yeah. I'm... I'm getting so exhausted by the hour and 20-minute episodes when there's just dialogue scenes that are, like, way too long but also don't accomplish anything. I legit fast-forwarded through every single second of the locusts are going to kill all our crops. I was like, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Like, I know this whole thing is supposed to be about Roger, like, gaining some respect. Yeah. But Roger is not worthy of respect. Yeah, you hate Roger so much. (laughs) It's really funny to me that you hate him as much as you do. Because I was thinking about it last night or yesterday when you texted me. I don't know. Time means nothing anymore. It's Sunday. We should probably make a a point. Like, it is April the 5th today. Um, We are in week 17 of quarantine. Um, (laughs) And it's, like, minus 10 outside. I don't know what the weather's like in Calgary, but it's minus 10 outside, and uh, it's miserable. So here we are. Yeah, Um, it's the same. No, what's really funny, though, when you texted me about how much you hate Roger, is that Roger is inexplicably more suited to be living in the 18th century than Jamie Fraser is. If that what? makes any sense. What are you talking about? What I'm... Well, Megan, what I, are you I mean, talking Roger, about? Like, Roger, obviously, if he was left to his own devices, would die immediately because he's a wuss. <laughs> but, I mean, like, personality-wise and, like, his worldview, he's very oh, much... so narrow. Yeah, he's way better suited to, like, living in the past than Jamie is. I, th- I feel like if you were to switch it, I feel like Jamie would have a way better time adapting to, like you know, the 40s or 50s or whatever than Roger has had adapting to um, the 18th century. Huh. That's an interesting thought. I still feel like Jamie's brain would fucking explode because at least Roger has the advantage of being a historian. Jamie has no fucking clue. That's true, but Jamie's also Other willing to learn things, Claire right? Other being like, I'm going to tell you about germ theory. <laughs> like, yeah, but he listens and he trusts her and believes her and, you know, like, there's there's that touchstone piece. I'm not saying, I'm not saying Jamie could, like, time travel by himself and make it in the 50s. I don't think that's true. But, like, if the situation was reversed and he went back through the stones with Claire into, like, the future, I feel yeah. like he'd be okay. 
Because he's also charming enough that he could get away with not knowing things. Because he's pretty, and so and <laughs> pretty people but, can be dumb and get away with it. <laughs> but he's also very shrewd, and he's he's very intuitive as to what other people's motives are. Like oh, yes. He's, and he's smart. Like he's well read, he, and yeah, he's self aware, unlike yeah. Roger. Yeah, and. Oh my god, you know what I just realized? Hmm. Roger is Claire. Oh no. Because she's always the one that's doing stupid shit and getting into trouble. Except Roger's she's... always doing the same. Yeah, but, but I don't think their motivations are the same for doing the stupid shit. Explain. I think that when Claire does stupid shit, I think it's because in her inside her somewhere... She's like, fuck this. She's like, I lived through the fucking Second World War. She's like, I can, I got this. Like, it's kind of that sort of her, like, her thing. Whereas I think with Roger, he's like, I'm a man, and therefore. And I feel like that's part of his problem. I really feel like God, that's... tip of the iceberg for his fucking problems, let me tell you. <laughs> well, well, that's why I just said part. It's not all of it. <laughs> There's so many other things. But no, I think with him, I think that, like... He he feels inadequate, and also let's 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 maybe to empathize with him just a little tiny bit, if possible. Who um, wouldn't feel inadequate next to J.B. Fraser? Well, that's ex- that's exactly <laughs> it, right? Like there's this there's this this feeling. Whereas, like if Roger was trying to win the affection of Frank Randall, it would not be difficult. No, but also like fucking Jamie is Bree's dad, not mm-hmm. another suitor going after her, like chill out and learn just try and learn and he doesn't do that and he doesn't even try to understand what brianna's going through and it's making me fucking crazy well no he doesn't want to try and understand because he's holding on to his man pain like it's the only thing that exists and when he i was so pissed when he saw the woman from the boat and was like are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes in and leans in to hug her. And uh-huh. I'm like, you fucking idiot. Oh, I know. How was... have you not realized that that is not a good thing to do right now? It was funny when that happened I, that night that I watched it. I texted Reva because she had watched it a little bit earlier that evening. Um, and I texted her. And I was like, uh-oh, trouble for Roger. And she was like, yep. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> Which I think if I, like, I haven't read the fifth book in a really long time, but I think that the fifth book is a lot of trouble for Roger, um, just in general. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. And it's all because, but it's all because of, like, his own stupidity, whereas, like, Claire has the ability to get herself out of the trouble that she gets herself into, um, but Roger ends up, like, digging himself further in it and just can't. But sure, now she does. Like, fucking season one and season two, she was just as Oh, yeah, but I mean, Roger doesn't doesn't have the excuse that Claire had of, like, not having anyone else to sort of guide him through it. Because, like, he literally has a person who's been, you know what I mean, has already learned how to adjust to living in this time and with these people and in this context and whatever. Plus, he's a fucking historian. I know. That's why I'm so frustrated with him. Like, of all the people, you should be fine with this because you have made it your life's work to understand the past. 
I mean, unless unless his argument is like, well, he's a historian and not an anthropologist or some bullshit like that. Oh, but fuck like... off. <laughs> like, that's stupid. No, I know, but I'm just I'm just saying, like, I could see that, the, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. yeah, he's very frustrating. And, I mean, I understand why in the books, I like him a lot better in the books than I like him in the show. That's for sure. Really? Yeah, I find him less frustrating in the books. And I think that's just because the books, there's just more stuff happening, and so his storyline is maybe slightly less important. And also in the fifth book, there's a lot of shit with Ian in the fifth book that, like, clearly is not happening. No, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I thought Cause I that think the... happens around this same time. Yeah, I feel like it's in the fifth book, um, where, spoilers for the book, I guess? Because <laughs> it's not in the show? I suppose I don't know. Um, it's in the fifth book, I think. Where doesn't he come back with like his face tattoo and like? Yeah, and like yeah. a family. Yeah, like all he's like, he's grown up. Like Ian is a grown man by the time he comes, he shows back up in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and he's I feel still like... gonna be like a foppish yeah. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <in the show. laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, no, in the book he comes back and he's, like, he's been, he's been, like, assimilated into a tribe, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, oh, and I feel God, like that- I miss Ian. I, I feel like that's missing from this. A little bit. It's just- It's just so upsetting every time I see him on screen and his ridiculous hair and his ridiculous hairy body and- I have this thing where anytime a character sings, I have such secondhand embarrassment that I get physically uncomfortable because they're singing to no one. And I just lose my mind. And of course, that's what he's doing like all season. I'm just like, sure, he does. Roger, just shut up. He could just just walk. I mean, it would would be better if he was like a fucking minstrel. Like, that would then at least he'd have a reason to be singing. Yeah. But. Well, and the thing with this season, too, that I'm finding is, it's feeling, it's still fine, and I'm still enjoying it, and whatever, and I know kind of what's coming, and it's fine. Um, Right, and I think that's the advantage of, like, knowing ahead of time what comes Mm -hmm. next. Um, But, like, I think part of the thing, too, is, like, you know that this bad shit is coming. Like, you know, and, and, and there's only so much storytelling they can do to, like, stave it off. Yes, but that's the thing. Like, I didn't need 40 minutes of the Locust Plague. Like, the season just feels, especially the middle three episodes, or the last three, I guess, just felt like they were filling time. And I'm like, oh my god, there's so much story to get to. Like, if you're worried about you know, having it be ridiculous about how one episode is this huge thing and the next episode is this huge thing. Just do time jumps. Like, I don't care. Change seasons. Like, what does it matter? Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, that episode with, um, uh, when they went to the Beardsley property. Yeah. See, that was a good episode. It was a really good episode, but I also sort of, there were parts of me that kind of felt like that they didn't need, that whole event didn't need to be an entire episode. No, not at all. Like, the, the, it was an important part of the story, and I think it was, and it was also kind of nice in a lot of ways for it to just be Jamie and Claire at a certain point instead of having mm-hmm. everybody else around at all times and, like, dealing essentially with this, like, small little micro problem mm-hmm. instead of, like, 
the fucking red coats and the and the revolution. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and so it was nice to have that, but I also felt like they could have maybe cut that down and it could have been like two thirds of an episode instead Absolutely. of the whole thing. And then it gives a little bit more time to advancing some other stories. Well, yeah. And you also didn't have to have like, just the stuff with Murtaugh was so dragged on. Like, this was the first half of the season of Jamie being like, oh shit, I'm on the team of searching for Murtaugh. And yeah. it was like, every episode, that was the same. And he was just like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to find Murtaugh. Oh no, what if I find Murtaugh? It's just like, oh, this is the same conflict over and over. Like, there's no development of it. It's just... No. Oh, JK, we're going to do pardons. Oh, no, not really, because I'm actually going to leave to New York, so I want to kill everyone before I go. JK, JK, JK. Like... <clears throat> well, and the other thing, too, that I found... So, like, the Murtaugh storyline. Again, because he dies in Culloden in the books, right? So, like, he's yeah. not part of this. And I understand and appreciate from a television perspective why they kept him around. Because he's a good character, and it there's, like, that connect... Like, I get all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 so fine. Um, that scene though, uh, Jacasta's wedding when he like shows up, broke my heart a little bit. That made me sad because like I knew then that he wasn't going to last much longer. Yeah. Just because you don't like. I mean, I've watched enough TV and enough whatever to like enough and it like this happens on the walking dead all the time um yeah. if you ever want it was a farewell yeah if you ever want to predict who's gonna die you got to think about who who had the most screen time like two episodes before um yeah. and then you're like oh that guy's for sure gonna die um and so it was it was that kind of feeling i think that that i had about that but it was such a and i mean um it was such a great episode and i really like um jacasta i really i really really like her Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we got that little bit of context for her as well. That was heartbreaking. That scene. Oh my god, I did not expect that. No, it was awful. It was awful. And just ran away. Yeah. Well, what could they have done? God, I don't know. Um, but and and so like I liked that, and I I appreciate that at the very least because they made the choice in the show to like have that relationship with Marta and Jocasta be a thing. I appreciate that they at least capped it off before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, just even though it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't capped off in a way that was satisfying to anybody, but it was very much, um, you know, at least it, there was like they closed the circle at least on that. Yeah, too many times in this show, there's. <laughs> questions about whether or not people are actually dead yeah well now we know that that and also the end of the, this most recent episode where uh Murta gets shot because of you know someone following jamie's orders ultimately mm-hmm. um and then his like blind hope that somehow claire can save Murta just like crushed me yeah and she's just like i can't do anything <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah, that super sucked. Yeah, that that was very sad. Um, and it also, like, it brings about my least favorite thing in the world, which is man tears. And so I was just like, no, stop crying. I know, it's real hard <laughs> to get through. <laughs> but there's, 
I don't know, there was just something so disappointing about all that too, because it's like, this is my problem with Jamie and my problem with the whole they know the future thing, is that nothing Jamie does ever works. <laughs> like, what was the whole point of this? He remained loyal to the British, just put an interrobang in parentheses there, and then his godfather died, and he thinks he also lost his daughter's husband. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of this was to gain what exactly? Yeah, I know. Oh, and he also killed the lieutenant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that guy was such a fucking prick. He really was. He really, really was. I watched that episode right after the whole, like, Tyler Shandro shit dropped, and I was just, like, fuming. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> this is just another one of those. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's, uh, well, and the thing that I find interesting about the television piece is uh, the television show aspect of this compared to the the books is like they've done a really good job casting a lot of these roles mm -hmm. um like and not just not the main characters because we could talk you know forever about like they've done such a great job there but lots of these minor roles they've done such a great job casting them that like i hate some of these people oh hell yeah and like, like it's like it's like fucking what's his face brett gelman in um Fleabag. Right? Fleabag, like, yes, exactly. I don't ever want to see him in anything ever again because in my mind he will now always just be Martin. Yeah. It's really tough to see stupid guileless Peregrine took mm -hmm. this like scumbag. Oh, it's I know. Who is in league with Stephen Bonnet. Like that is a hard pill to swallow. Oh, it really is. And like Stephen Bonnet, the guy that plays him, I don't know if I'll be able to ever watch anything that he's in intentionally. No, and it's so bad because he's super sexy. He is, and he's so good at this role. Like he's phenomenal. And they did such a good job like choosing somebody who has this ability to like to play that sort of like smarmy Irish whatever yeah and, and you and you can understand how he ultimately like tricks people and convinces them to do things for him and then is also ruthless and stabs them in the eye like yeah what was the point of that i, I don't know because well he's clearly not trying to lay low not um, at all if he was trying to lay low he maybe wouldn't have stabbed someone in the eye um but no he i don't really know i think it's ultimately just to be like you know, to remind people who he is and what he's capable of. Hey, we don't need reminders. Well, we don't You're need You're the scariest man in Wilmington. We don't need the <laughs> reminders, but I think other people maybe do, right? That's the that's the thing. So, do you think... What's Pippin's whole deal? Do you think he's, like, actually afraid of Stephen Bonnet? <laughs> I don't know, but I love that we're going to call him Pippin from now I on. I legit have no fucking clue what his character's name is. <laughs> I um, couldn't tell you. So, I don't, you know what, I don't know if he's afraid of Bonnet. Um, although, it would make sense to me that Bonnet probably is blackmailing him. It might not be a fear thing, but it might be a... To what end? I don't know. To, for Bonnet to get something that he wants, ultimately. Hmm. 
And who knows what Stephen Bonnet wants? I don't think Stephen Bonnet knows what Stephen Bonnet wants. Stephen Stephen Bonnet is just chaotic evil, like on the on the grid, right? Yeah, that's fair. And like, and to him, like he's not even necessarily well. Yeah, no, he is chaotic evil, but I also think he's kind of like Elmo with the fire in behind, you know, just like watching the world burn. Um, yeah. Oh, his name is Gerald Forbes. <laughs> we're gonna say Gerald Ford. No, it's like wait. What? <laughs> because <laughs> he's like a lawyer isn't he? yeah i think so yeah or a barrister or whatever the fuck yeah but yeah I, th- I feel like i feel like it's it's a blackmail sort of situation with bonnet because don't forget like bonnet has the capability obviously of acquiring um a reasonable amount of wealth in a fairly short time uh you know by like uh-huh. doing illegal things and so i, th- I feel like i feel like he that's, I mean, that's one of the ways that he makes his way in the world as well, right? It's not right. just, not just raping and pillaging, but also manipulating and he's just a, what's, I don't know, what's the word? How could we describe him? Scoundrel is not a mean enough word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. That's the tough thing. Because it's not even close to good enough. <laughs> No, but like it's the it's it yeah it's the it's a real heavy connotation of that. Oh, apparently it's Neil Forbes. Oh, but his full name is Cornelius Gerald Hamish McKay Forbes. Oh, the fucking Scots. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's been um, it's been a bit of a maybe an uneven season. Maybe is the best. Yeah, for sure. The best way to explain that. I would absolutely agree. Because there's, like, dynamite episodes, and then I just felt the last three were just so... Yeah. So boring. Um, like, well, especially because it was just this back and forth of, like, this Isaiah Morton bullshit and these fucking parents of the girl that he wants to marry just the worst and then of course they end up shooting him behind his back and she's mm-hmm. like i didn't need this for three episodes how no. unnecessary no and like i feel like there needs to be more fergus in this season there's not enough yes fergus. It's just... like it helps him cover up a murder perfect yeah. thank you fergus yeah. for doing your job yeah <laughs> Like, no, there's just not enough. There's just not enough Fergus in this. Um, there's also not enough John Gray in this. I love John Gray. He's great. Mm-hmm. I love and, how Claire is super, super warmed up to him now. Yeah, and I think it's good. I also... Okay, so when Reva and I watched that the last episode with Jamie in his red coat, we talked for a very long time about what that would have done to John Gray. Oh my <laughs> lord. To see Jimmy Fraser in a red coat. Like he that, would have burst into flames. That poor man's head would have exploded. Oh, his wig would have curled itself. Mm-hmm. Z snaps. Because <laughs> we were also talking about what that would have done to um, Black Jack Randall. To <laughs> Jamie in a red coat. No, I think he would have hated it. Uh, I don't, well, maybe not, maybe, maybe at first. I don't think, I think it would have been, like, that would have been something he would have, like, kept in the back of his mind. But then we were like, what about Lord John? We are like, yes. He would have loved it, and then he would have died. Yeah, and you know who would have fucking killed Jamie? His goddamn sister. Oh, my lord, yes. Oh. 
Jenny would have ended the war. <laughs> no more revolutionary war. Everyone's dead. <laughs> She's true. created the first <laughs> self-combusting atomic bomb. It's true. Like I was, you know, what? it was funny. I was thinking about it when I watched it, and like, cause thinking about how Ian is not in this season, and maybe he's not. I have no idea. That would have been an amazing time for Ian to show up. And just be like, uh, Uncle? hey guys, what's up? <laughs> but only if he has the face tattoo and whatever. But like, but you know what I mean? Just all of a sudden for for Ian to be like, uh, Uncle Jamie? Yeah. Uh, so, let's catch up. <laughs> Things have changed. Hey. <laughs> but yes, uh, we Do were... you see my sweet tats? <laughs> uh, Jamie, there's some red on your coat. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the blood of your enemies, I hope? <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, it was it was just a funny thought thinking about what would have happened to poor Lord John Gray. He would have just absolutely died. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I I'm sad that we were ultimately robbed of that reaction because I feel like that would have been the highlight of the season. I don't know. I think it's more tantalizing for Claire to be like, you know, <laughs> Jamie was forced forced <laughs> to wear a red coat <laughs> maybe perhaps by governor trying like that's like a whole fucking slash fic that john gray is just running in his mind 24 7 i don't know if claire would want that satisfaction out of lord john gray though i think that's there might true. be some boundaries <laughs> on that relationship that's very true like they're friends but you know yeah, not... She doesn't need to add fuel to the fire. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't need to sexually torture poor John Gray. Speaking of sexual torture, can we talk about how they fuck in the barn? Yeah, we could talk about that for sure, yeah. That dude, first of all, what's his name? The guy that, like, tried to assault her? Wiley or something like that? Yes, someone should have cut his head off. Because it was funny, because he's just repulsive and repugnant and an awful human. Yep. And then I looked up the actor and I was like, oh, that, he's, I was like, yeah, I don't ever think I'll ever be able to watch him in anything either. Because he was so gross in this one. Who is he? He's not, I don't think he's in much, but I was just like, oh, he's like, he's fine. Because he reminded me of, that's in Better to Marry Than Burn, right? That was the episode? Yeah. <sighs> Philip Wiley? I believe so, yes. Chris Donald. That dude fucking sucked so much. Yeah, he, like he just, and as soon as he showed up again, I was just like, blech. Everything about him was blech. This fake mole. Oh, that was on her neck? Oh, <laughs> that was, oh. That, like, there's been some gross things in this show. That so might have been the gross. grossest. <laughs> and I'm thinking about, like, Mr. Beardsley, like, being, you know, in the attic, like, impaled. No, just existing. Just existing. <laughs> that fucking murderer rapist? Yeah. No. And then the mole, I think, was grosser than all of that. Because it's like, what is that even made out of? It's the 1700s. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Gross. Mm-hmm. But also, why was Jamie so goddamn mad at her? <sighs> well, because, because I don't remember. <laughs> I don't fucking remember. Uh, 
he was wasn't just... that was he was it he wasn't mad at her wasn't she mad at him no she was said she was mad along. she was pissed at him because he basically he agreed to a card game or a dice game or whatever where her wedding ring was going to be the was the prize Oh really? Yeah, and then she yeah 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 with with Wiley right, and then didn't she like give didn't she give him both of her wedding rings? Like, we might as well take this one too. And she was so mad. Oh, that's what that was about. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, he was just like he was just like it's okay. I'm gonna win this game. Don't worry about it. And she was just, like angry. And- well, I think she just doesn't want her. Life just fucking played with Jamie. Well, of course, like, of course. But to him, that's normal, right? Like that whole, you know, you have a thing that you're going to wager, and then if you're sure you're going to win, yeah. Also, like, if you know Jamie, you know that there's always something under the surface that's going on, and yes. he's trying to find out. Like he's always got plans on plans on plans, but he's just. So he went and he got drunk at this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Claire was for some reason in the stables. And then she slaps him in the face mm-hmm. extremely hard. And he looked at her and I was like, oh, here it comes. They're going to fuck in the stable. And they <laughs> Sure enough. <laughs> oh, man. But as we know, not so much from the show. It doesn't show it as much in the show. In the books, we know that Jamie enjoys that a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. like, they I have mean, I a think lot Claire of does like, too. They have a lot of extremely angry sex. It's they a do. part of their communication method. It's true, but it is, but but it is like a reasonably healthy part of their communication method because, like, they afterwards they're like, "Yes, I'm sorry too." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just... Well, like in season one, right when she like pulls the knife on him while she's on top of him. Yeah. Right, and she's like, "If you ever, if you ever raise a hand to me again, I'll cut out your heart and have it for breakfast." She's like, "Hot damn! If I wasn't rock hard then, I am now." Exactly, and like, and you can see it, and both of them like, they're just, and then they're fine. Then they're fine at the end. Mm-hmm. Although in the medical tent, I was just like so not into the last three episodes that I watched, but. I gasped and brought my hands up to my face when that motherfucker stepped on her syringe. Oh, I know. Oh, what a loss. I know. That, that was is. awful. That was After awful. After she had gone through all that shit to bring it and hide it and keep it safe and then yeah. Yeah. fucking manufacture homemade penicillin. Yep. I also like that Marcelie's just sort of like, okay, cool. Like, you know, she's just, like, kind of going along with it. Yeah. I I appreciate that because I think that's one of the great things that Claire does is that she tries to lift up other women. And Marcelie and her did not get off on, I would say, the right foot at all. Considering all of what season three, she just called her a whore on yep. that boat. Boy, did she! Day. Boy, did she! <laughs> so it's going pretty well. And how Claire was just like watching her 
fucking skewer a deer and was just like, huh. <laughs> well, People I, are like deer. I also think that Marsley has done a, a pretty a remarkable job of adapting to this life. Well, I think she had a pretty hardship-filled childhood. Like... I bet this is so much more stable than living with Leary. <laughs> yeah, Leary sucks. And all sucked. her weird, well, abusive husbands and abandonment issues and yeah. <laughs> everything that's going on with her. So, yeah, and, and I, but she's done a really remarkable job, I think, of living, you know, living this life in the Carolina wilderness, ultimately. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk for a minute about their house? Oh, fuck yeah. Yes, please. It's insane. I want it <laughs> so bad. It's an insanely good house. <laughs> it is It's. It is remarkably well built. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's very... And I get it. I understand they built it for a show, like, whatever. But, like, all of the boards are the same size. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, that's not how this would have gone. But I also, in the books, I think, because aren't Roger and Bree living in, like, their first little shack that they built? Yes. And then, like, the whole, all the tenants get together (laughs) to make fucking Lord Jamie. Yeah. (laughs) This mansion. And I was like, this is a bit like feudalism, isn't it? (laughs) It absolutely is a bit like feudalism. Got some serfs there, Jamie. So much for being free in the fucking Carolinas, but yeah, no, their it's house an is insane house. their house is spectacular, and I just I want it so bad. I loved how she got a little kitty to catch the little mices in her surgery. That was so thoughtful of Jamie. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Like, and you know what? For all of his flaws, and there are many, uh, Jamie Fraser reminds us all of the time. That he's a wonderful man. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, yes, he does some dumb shit. And, like, a lot of dumb shit. And people die because of his dumb shit. But, like, at the end of the day, really all he's trying to do is protect the people that he loves. Yeah. And, and he, I think he does a pretty good job of that. Oh, overall. he does. And and, and the, the people that he loves, the, the number of people that he is attempting to protect, and I think this is where the problems for him are really starting to crop up, the number <laughs> of people <laughs> that he's trying to protect. It's like every Scotsman living in the Carolinas. <laughs> Even the ones that are actively, actively being treasonous. Yes. <laughs> Because he can't do it himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, Jamie. Oh, I know, I know. It's just so funny. Yeah, but he's, it's just, it's it's so good, and I'm so happy that, like, I'm really happy that this show, you know, for all of the things that are wrong with it at times, is a pretty good adaptation of what was in the books. Yeah, it's, like, as many issues of I ha- as I have, these are the same issues I had in the book, and I'm just being <laughs> reintegrated into them in a visual medium. Yeah. Instead but it's all imaginary medium. But it's also interesting to see the things that, like, the showrunners have decided are should be put on screen and shouldn't be, and, you know, some of the choices that are made, right? Because, like, I don't know if I would have made some of those same choices. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it matters, right? But I don't know if I would have made some of those same choices. 
What I would have done is instead of making Roger fucking captain in the militia, of which he has no idea what that is, why isn't he creating a fucking school to teach everyone? Uh Why? Like, all of the children... Like, obviously he could do that. And Uh Brie could do that, too. She's like a whiz at math. Uh Uh-huh. Why isn't he being given things to do that he could actually do competently and have some sense of self-worth. Uh-huh. I am aware. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, Roger sucks. We know this. <laughs> He's not a great character. I don't... And to be fair, like, I don't like him much in the books either. Like, you know, there's things about him that I like better in the books than I think I've liked in the show, but, like, I'm he's not my favorite person in the books either. So, like... I don't have a lot of negative feelings towards him. And it's so weird for me to be empathetic with Brie. Where for the first two seasons she existed, I was just like, I'm going to fucking strangle you. You're being an impetuous, snotty teenager. And I cannot stand your whole vibe. And now it's totally flipped 180. Like... Oh, yeah, like, with her, I feel like she's, I mean, she's been through some shit, and we know she's been through some shit. Yeah, but I understand her completely now. But I think also because she's, I think that she has better than Roger, and even better than Claire when Claire first Mm -hmm. traveled back, I think she has, like, pretty reasonably adapted to her life. Yeah. And what her position is. And so, like, she knows she knows that she can't, like, show off too much of the knowledge that she has of what's coming. Like, she knows those things. Mm-hmm. Because if she does, then automatically there's going to be issues. But she's a very... And because of that, and even though she's, you know, Jamie's daughter and, and you know, everybody knows who she is and whatever, I think that it's really interesting um, that she's able to kind of, like slide by unnoticed in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Not by Stephen Bonnet. Well, not by Stephen Bonnet. No, but you know what I mean? Like, she's able to kind of skate by, like, where people don't really... They'll be saying things or whatever, and they kind of forget uh, who she is while yeah. she's around, and they just talk about stuff, and she's a very good listener. She's very observant. Um, and, you know, she pays a lot of attention to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of, of a lot of the people... In that whole family group, like, she at times can be capable of a lot more empathy than everyone else. Yes, and I think part of that, for a whole bunch of reasons, I mean, I think it comes from the fact that she lost her father. Yeah. Right? And ultimately said goodbye to her mother and, like, you know, assumed that she was never going to see her again. Um, you know, and understanding this, like, that there's more out there than just what's right in front of you and sort of knowing that, you know, you have to kind of, you kind of have to, like, trust people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and trust that what they're doing is, is what's best and, and those kind of things. And she's skeptical at times of certain things, but I also think she's very, like, she's understanding I mean, she had to have been understanding for her when, when Claire was like, so let me tell you about your real dad. <laughs> He's from the past. I met him in 1743. <laughs> like, can you imagine hearing that? Uh, he was can a you, rebel against the British. Can you imagine hearing that? Well, well, in today's date, I would just be like, 
Yeah, I've watched TV and movies before. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But, like, in the 60s? Can you imagine hearing that? She'd probably be like, oh, man, you gotta slow down. And it's psychedelics there. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's not like her mom was like a like a in a you know like a cult or was or a hippie or whatever. She's a fucking doctor. (laughs) Hey, doctors can still be in cults. That's hateful, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean, right? (laughs) Oh, but it's just like yeah. So I'm I'm starting to like Brie a lot more. I would like, I would like Roger more. If he was just a good dad, (laughs) he didn't suck so much. Well, yeah, I'd like fucking Tyler Shandro more if he didn't suck so much, maybe. Oh, no, I, no. That, that's, <laughs> that's not a that's, qualifier. <laughs> no, but I, like, I mean, I, there was a moment where Roger, when finally Roger was just, like, when they did the little blood oath with Jemmy, and I was like, okay, here's, like, he's, this is the step that we need, right? Like, to get, and now I'm just like, Roger, stop doing dumb things. Mm-hmm. Don't hug married women. Don't like, hug married women after you've not fucking taken a goddamn 360 head on a swivel of your surroundings. You idiot. God. Yeah. yeah. Poor Roger. What's, um, just because it's been so long since I read this book, I think this was the last one I read. What is the end game with Bonnet trying to pursue Jemmy because Jemmy is now like the inheritor of River Run. Well, he ends up... Well, I feel like it is... (laughs) Nice dodge. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just trying to... It's been a long time since I've read this book as well. And I've only read the ones after it like once each. I haven't done the rereads on them. Um, He... What he wants is the fortune that he believes is coming his way. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's his end game. But that means he has to legitimize Yes. Jemmy and yeah. claim him mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, right? Like, well, I guess he did almost kill everybody before, so Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and so, like, it happened differently in the book, because if I remember right, isn't, doesn't Bonnet sneak his way into, um, Jocasta and Duncan's wedding? Isn't he there? I cannot remember. I think, and I feel like Jamie and Claire see him, if I remember right. Oh. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit, like, it's obviously very different. Um, and then... And because of that, and I think that's why, where if I, okay, so now I'm, I need to like think about this for a second. So he, uh, yeah, he shows up at Jocasta and Duncan's wedding. And I believe then that, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, that he steals, he gets away. He steals the horse that Jamie wins in that card game. Oh, and so that's where, like, Wiley comes into play, ultimately, there. And I'm pretty sure that that's how Bonnet escapes. Um, and then Roger asks Jamie if he will teach him how to fight so he can kill Bonnet himself. Right. I, th- I think is, is, is how that works. Okay. And then after the wedding, like, well after the wedding, they try 
to go, they go to Wilmington. Um, to find him, right? Yeah, except, yeah, Roger and Jamie, like, everyone's in Wilmington, and then Roger and Jamie go off wherever they believe that he is, and then uh, Bonnet finds Claire, I believe, with Jemmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bonnet says something about how he tells everybody that um, Jamie and Roger are dead. It's just like that's the thing. It's gonna get so much worse before. Yeah, it we is. Get to bed. It is. But I also think that uh, Brianna shoots him in the dick, if I remember correctly. At the I end think of I the remember book. that correctly too, and yeah. I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that she shoots him in the dick. And just then to he... go straight up Lorena Bobbitt on yeah. his ass. Yeah. And then he he decides. And then I think in, he's he's in the sixth book. He lasts through the sixth through part of the sixth book anyway. Um, I'm just trying to remember. Anyway, what ends up happening? Do you want to know how what happens to him? Do you care? No, I think I remember. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yeah. So yeah, then so he he. he we'll he, talk about it when it happens. <laughs> this is not the last that we will see of Stephen Bonnet. No. But yes, I'm pretty sure at the end of like this season five, that she like she, yeah she shoots him in the dick and then he disappears for a while and then he returns with a vengeance. Yeah, as uh, they always do. Yeah, and then I think that uh, I think when he comes back, I think Forbes is instrumental in his return. Yeah, if I remember correctly. And again, it's so tricky <laughs> to see Billy Boyd be this gross dude. I hate it so much. I know. I know. <sighs> um, so there's a break in Outlander. There's no Outlander tonight. There's, um... Thank God. Back. I don't think I could watch anymore, honestly. <laughs> I mean, lying so much and it made me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're back next week, so we'll uh, we'll get there. Um, yeah, and that's that. Um, I, I was talk- only six weeks behind. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds like a you problem and not a me problem. I watch them once a week like a normal person. Hey, Megan, the world was going to shit and I forgot that it even existed. Okay, <laughs> cut me some slack. Um, so I would like to talk very briefly about Tiger King. Go ahead. Um, so... If you haven't watched it, just strong recommend that you do. Are you telling that to me or the, just the in general, seven listening audience? Just whoever hears this. Okay. Uh, it is fucking batshit crazy. And I don't know. There, I, I didn't know what to expect. I truly didn't. I got a text from a friend at work saying that, like, you know, like asking if I'd watched it, and I said no. And he was like, "You need to watch it." Uh, so I watched the first episode, and I texted him, and I was like, "These people cannot be real." And he was like, "Oh, there's more." And I was, I didn't really know what that meant until I kept watching it, <laughs> and it was really like the whole it's seven episodes. And it was legitimately like listening to a story told by a toddler. 
Because <laughs> it was like. It was high on cold medicine. No, just. And then. And then, and this <laughs> happened, and there was a million tigers, and this, and a guy lost his legs, and like, and the tiger bit her arm off, and he tried to kill me. Like, it's just all of these things. And what was comforting at the end of it all? To Excuse think, me. To my <laughs> yes, was that no matter how much of a mess I think my life is. Oh, I see. I see. Those people showed me. <laughs> that I'm doing fine <laughs> in every way that counts. Mm-hmm. Um, so basic premise: there's a dude. He goes by the name Joe Exotic. He's in jail now because he tried to murder somebody, or he hired someone to murder somebody. Oh boy! Um, and the person that he wanted to have killed definitely murdered her second husband. <laughs> there is no question. That she killed her husband. It's in episode two. Even if you don't watch the rest of it, episode two is worth watching. Because holy shit. Um, yeah, like, the tigers were almost incidental. See, After, like, episode two, maybe, the tigers were, were almost incidental to everything that happened. And that's so frustrating to me because I have this thing about animal, animal abuse. Like, I cannot... I cannot stomach it in anything. In fiction, I can't. I have to skip the chapter, the scene, whatever it is. Like, I I cannot handle it. And I watched, was watching the first episode with Chris. Of all the things, this is what he's fucking obsessed with. Of all the things I've tried to get him to watch that are good. And I literally got to the point, I think it's like three minutes into the first episode, and there's that snow leopard in a dog crate that's about six sizes too small for it, and Uh I got up and walked away. I was like, whatever this fucking is, I cannot stomach it. It made me so angry that I walked away from the television. Chris is like, uh, uh, bye. (laughs) Yeah, see, I'm not gonna lie, that stuff, like, doesn't bother me at all. Like, and it's not, I just don't have that, that same, like... Which is I fine. I don't have Which that same empathy fine. towards animals. I just want to read you. This is this this is the first paragraph of the summary of this show on Netflix. Um, so this is from Wikipedia. The series focuses on the little known but deeply interconnected society of big cat conservationists and collectors in America, exploring the private zoos and sanctuaries they've set up for these unusual and deadly pets. Some eccentric characters include a former cocaine drug lord running a secret conservation facility, Jeff Lowe, a swinger who sneaks cubs into high-end hotels for parties and to attract women, Tim Stark, owner of the roadside zoo Wildlife in Need, and Bhagavan Doc Antle, an animal trainer who founded a 50-acre animal preserve in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and trains animals for Hollywood films. That maybe was the most interesting part of all of this stuff, is how connected... Varied, yeah this is and and they were kind of like they yeah like these guys they all know each other and whatever and they, it's not a big you know it's not a big thing they all know each other and they're all like kind of half buds but not buds well they're you know? all in competition with each other essentially in different yeah, ways yes but they're all in i mean like for the animals yes but then they're also like all of these people all really don't like this woman carol baskin who runs the big cat rescue in um Mm-hmm. somewhere in Florida um which is basically its own it's near it's outside Tampa I think which it's basically like 
she's just as much a part of the problem as these other guys are, except, like, this woman lives in rent-free in their heads. It is remarkable how much they hate her. Hmm. Is and, it like, misogyny? Um, no, it's because... Well, it's because she wants, she essentially wants, like, there to be legislation that will shut down their zoos, right? Like, that's what she's fighting for. Which there should be. Which, of course, there should, and I agree completely. Um, but, but, like, Joe Exotic had a TV show that he would produce himself and whatever. I don't know if it was on, like, public TV. It doesn't fucking matter. And every episode would be like, yeah, fuck you, Carol Baskin. Like, at the end of, and I'm just, (laughs) like, like, it was just. Some of the most ridiculous shit that you'll ever see. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Megan, how much different is that from how much run-free space exists in your brain with Jamie Ben? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but like the Jamie Ben stuff's just funny, you know. And I don't think I don't just sit there and like make Jamie Ben jokes for fun. Whereas I think like Joe Exotic plotted murder all the time. Um, you know, I, I make the Jamie Ben jokes when they present themselves to me. But it was just like, so the the thing that I would like for people to know about this show, and I don't <laughs> want to talk too, too much about it. There's, there's two things that I found just remarkable. One, Carol is definitely a murderer, no questions asked. And apparently the documentary has re- reopened interest in the disappearance of her second husband. So of I'm course. just going to leave that there. Mm-hmm. The second thing is there is a dude on this show who lost both of his legs... Yeah, he works at this zoo, and I just need people to know how he lost his legs. I can't spoil it for you because it is amazing. I am aware of that story. It is fucking nuts and is so unexpected. What I found really bizarre because I watched that I watched the episode. I think it was five with Chris because it was all about like the. The FBI investigation into, like, how the hit was ordered and, like, the confrontation that his, like, partners made against him and, like, they have it all on video. And it's just, like, everything about it was so performative and, like, fucking crazy. I'm, like, I look over at Chris and I'm, like, I can't figure out what the point of view of this documentary is because... Are they, are the documentarians making fun of the subjects? Like, that's an odd lens to take for Uh your film series. Uh Like, what is their, what is their end goal? What is their thesis here to prove that this guy's guilty? We all know he is. Uh Like, it's irrefutable. There's a number of guilty people in this documentary. Oh, there are no good people in this documentary. There are two people that are less shitty than everybody else, but they're even then, I'm like, I don't know if they're good. Yeah, they still take part in the caging of wild animals, which yeah. should be illegal. Like one but... of the people, one of the people that's not shitty, she got her arm bit off by a tiger. It's just like, and she had it amputated and like came back to work like five days later, which I thought was fucking nuts. Um, and the other guy that I find is like sort of less bad. I can't remember what his name is. Um, Is it the guy with no teeth? There's a lot of guys with no teeth. It's the guy with the long hair and no teeth. Hmm. He like, he genuinely wanted to work with these big cats. 
Mm-hmm. And he, like, whenever, and every time that he was on screen and talking about it, like, he he was grateful that he had this job and this opportunity to work with them, and all he wanted to do was what was best for them. Yeah, he seemed very earnest. Yes, and they were, they were like, the only two people that I wasn't just, like, horrified by. Whereas everyone else was like, yeah, and I lost this finger to, <laughs> like, a snow leopard, and... I did seven in North Carolina for dealing meth, and mm-hmm. um, my girlfriend died mysteriously. Like, oh man. Okay, the one thing that I still quite, can't quite understand. I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, but where does the sex cult thing come into play? I have no idea, but it is fucking nuts. But like, who who is it involving? So be so it was not so much with Joe Exotic himself, but they're looking at some of these other guys who have these like big cat. Oh my god! Don't tell me they're having sex with cats. No, no, no. But okay, it, but thank but God. but like all of these guys have like these women who come and work for them, mm-hmm. and it just it it very much feels like exploited, kind of Jonestowny. Sort of. Oh, no. Yeah, because they, they talked to this one woman who had worked not... I don't think it was for Joe Exotic. It was with what, somebody else. Um, and because he... I think because, like, Joe Exotic is gay, I think this is... It's a different focus mm-hmm. for him. Except that he somehow, like, managed to convince, like, straight dudes to marry him. I don't really understand any of those things. But whatever. It's fine. Um, that's, like... That's not even the fucking weirdest thing about this. Like, that's how bizarre this show is. I know. Um, I was asking Chris about that, too. He's like, well, they were addicted to meth at the time. And I was like, okay, asked and answered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's just... Ugh. Anyway. Um, but, so, with these other guys, it seems like there is an attraction to the... Danger? Yeah, a little bit of the danger piece, I think, of it. Um, and also, I think that there's just sort of, like... You know, this idea that these, these women, like, they get to come and they get to work with these, you know, like, tiger cubs and lion cubs and, and stuff. And that it's not super dangerous when they're tiny, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of the the whole thing. And then they don't get paid very well, but they get seem to get, like, room and board as part of their, their mm-hmm. work. And then, but there's visitors in these places all the time. And so you kind of become an expert and it's just, like, they just want to stay. And then, you know, Jeff Lowe, one of the guys, I don't know how many fucking wives he's had. And the other guy has, you know, has all of these different women who he's called a wife at some point in time. And it's just, like, yeah, it's bizarre. Like, it's it's just very, very... Like, it seems very transient? Yes, very much so. And I think that the people that were interviewed for the documentary, like, that became sort of subjects of it, you know, they were the least transient. They were around for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like, it feels like in a lot of these situations that the people that work in these places are super, super transient. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know about the sex cult thing. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's very bizarre. But, like, basically what, like, Jeff Lowe, the one guy, has figured out is that, like, yeah, you can charge people a whole pile of money to, like, pet a baby tiger. Yeah. And if that means smuggling, um, a baby tiger in in your suitcase into a hotel in Las Vegas, then that's what you're gonna do. Like, and, you know, people want to take pictures with baby cats and all this kind of stuff. It's just, like, it's just a thing. Yeah, it's exploitive and it's unethical. But um, what I'm trying to figure out is, like, where's all that money gone? I have no 
like all of them are living in these like hovels and mm-hmm. and like drugs I guess drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. I guess they have to feed the cats but like mm-hmm. you can feed <laughs> corpses as someone has done mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's absolutely it's just something that I like I never would have expected would be a thing that I would have like wanted to watch but the first episode, like, just absolutely caught me. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't stop. I was like, well, I guess I just need to finish this now. Like, I just, I couldn't stop watching it. Because for the, really what it was for me, I think more than anything, is like, I couldn't figure out what the end was going to be. And I didn't do any reading at all. Before, yeah. I didn't want to know anything. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't. But there were still things that happened where I was just like, what the like, fuck? Like, how do these people exist? Yeah, how do so, all these things yes, happen? Yes, how are these people real? Yeah. Uh, how are more of them not dead? Yeah, Ultimately. Sure. How have more of them not been attacked by giant cats? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, there's a, there's a suicide in this one. An accidental mm-hmm. suicide. That, like isn't even the most traumatizing thing. Like, and that's, I think, the thing about this that's just absolutely, like, batshit insane. Mm-hmm. Is that there's all of these things that in any other situation would be the most shocking thing that you would see. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they just weren't. Yeah, they're just another paperclip. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, like, the, the dude losing his legs is maybe my, fu- like, my favorite part of the whole <laughs> thing. It is so ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Chris told me about it. I don't think it's true, but <laughs> but like, okay. but but it, but you know what I mean. I just like if that if it is true, I need it to be true so bad mm-hmm. that it just underscores, you know, just how insane all of the rest of this is. It's just yeah, I understand. You know what I mean? And and, and that was, I think, the, the takeaway is just like every time something it was like an infomercial, right? But wait, there's more. Right. Yeah. And and that was what every every cut in this show was. It's like, here's this crazy thing. We're going to show you something even nuttier. And what I thought was the most interesting is that a lot of the this documentary has obviously been in the works for quite some time. Yeah. How did they get all this footage? That's exactly it. So it's been in the works for quite some time. I would assume that Joe Exotic wanted to make, like, have a film made about himself anyway. That would be, that's my assumption. But they um, have footage going back years and, like, high qual. Yeah, but what I read is a fascinating thing is that there's apparently talks about, like, a miniseries about Carol Baskin mm-hmm. to be played by Kate McKinnon. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I will watch the shit out of that. Yeah, it's... It's just, oh, man, like... <laughs> Four out of five stars for sure, because the I will take away a star because like it's the fucking it's, abuse. Well, oh. and it's terrible. Like yeah. these people are irredeemable in all ways. But it come it comes at the perfect time in mm-hmm. a social consciousness that is looking for an outlet to feel yeah. alive. <laughs> well, and ultimately, like I was uh, talking last night to a couple of friends, and we were like discussing how this show is absolutely emblematic of the first three months of this calendar year. Yes. Because it's like, what next? 
In case you'd forgotten, Kobe Bryant died this year. Yeah, on my birthday, Megan. I don't need a fucking reminder. (laughs) I had forgotten that it was in this same calendar year. And then we also talked about how, like, Australia was still burning in this calendar year. Anyway. uh, Yeah, so watch Tiger King. Super good. And, like, just... Just... It just... When you think you've got it all figured out, just keep going. (laughs) And then you'll watch it to the end, and it'll be like when I ask my grade 10s, so guys, what's globalization? And when I ask them in June, they're like, I don't know. I'm like, perfect. I've done my job. That's what this show is. (laughs) There are no answers to any of the questions. Uh, That's too funny. Um, I also watched the second season of uh, Sunderland Till I Die. Which was really good. Oh yeah, I've heard that's really good. Um, yeah, the second, the first season I really enjoyed as well. The second season is a little bit of a different focus. Uh, it focuses a little bit more on like management and ownership and like actual transparency and like the operations of a football club, which is interesting. Um, and the owner, the chairman, he said something really interesting. He was like, "The fans will tell me when it's my time to go." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, oh, I wish that was a." A thing in North American sport. Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't um, that be amazing to have just that <laughs> foresight and awareness of yourself? Yeah. Um, but it's really good. And I I really enjoy it. And I don't love, like, I'm not a huge soccer person or whatever. But I enjoy watching these poor people in this northern English town watching their football team just not win. And at the end <laughs> just of the, implode. <laughs> the end of the last episode, it's like, why is it never us? And I'm like, oh, I've been there. I was there for a lot of years. I know the feel. <laughs> Why is it never us? Yeah. That's such a sweet, innocent thing to say. Like, why can't it be me who gets the prince at the ball? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. What uh, what service are you watching that on? Where That's you... on Netflix. That's on... Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch that. Questions? I've got lots of them, actually, yeah. Let's do it. Let me, uh... (laughs) Kelsey needs a nap. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. Um, Hang on here, I need to find them. I'm much more nihilistic than usual, which is saying something. It is, it's true. Okay, questions, questions, questions. Okay, um... Uh, Reva wants to know, what's your favorite boy band and why? Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys, one hundred percent. Duh. There's no reason. Everything they do is a banger. Have you seen the uh, quarantine version of "I Want It That Way"? No, because I a hate that song and b it's that secondhand embarrassment. I can't do it. I have a very difficult time watching any like TV performance like that. Oh, it was really good. It was really sweet. And uh, Kevin's kids stole the show. Of course I did. I have no doubt. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, this is another funny question. It made me laugh, and I still don't have an answer for it, so sorry, Riva. Who is the oddest celebrity that you lust over? So in brackets, the person that no one else understands why you love them. Megan, we know what yours is. No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's of course Adam Driver. No, that, that no, because other people understand. I have enough friends who understand that it's not, it's not odd. It's fine. Oh, I don't know if I have an odd one. I don't think I really do either. Uh... Like... Yeah, I don't know. It's... No, Adam Driver, like... No, he's unconventionally attractive as far as I'm concerned, but I have enough... I know enough people who agree that I don't think it's odd. 
Yeah, whoever runs the Amazon Prime Instagram <laughs> account. Amazing. That's the best account. I feel like mine is circa 2000 Vigo Mortensen. Oh, no, I understand that completely. Yeah, but that's like the, I don't know, that's the most bizarre. I don't even know what that could be, Reva. We need an example. I know what her example would be. Please tell me. Colin Morgan. Who the fuck is that? Look him up. I don't want to use my Google machine that requires my brain. Colin Morgan. Oh, I know him. What do I know him from? He was in... Oh, yeah, The Fall. Yes, yes, yes. He was in Merlin, which is where Reva first discovered him. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Um, Okay, I got a bunch of questions from Sid. Excellent. Which is good. Uh, Okay, if you could master just one skill with a snap of your finger, what would it be? Oh, cleaning, for sure. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. Um, Or just starting... And finishing a, a task. <laughs> Mostly just finishing a task. That's amazing. The thing that the thing that I have noticed in this uh, isolation times, it's not quite quarantine because I can still leave my house if I need to. Um, but you know, in, in the end times here, uh, I've gotten better at putting dishes away out of the dishwasher because I'm using my dishwasher like every two days now. Yeah. Because I'm home all the time. Um, so I'm better at that. But have I folded socks in three weeks? No. Yeah, they just go in a drawer for me. I don't need to fold them. I have a little sock graveyard in my living room, though, because my feet get hot, so then I kick my socks off. Yeah, I have that, too, but that's because my husband's out of town for three days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I have socks on the floor that have been on the floor for a long time. Two weeks, probably. It's fine. Um, Okay, what does your perfect day look like from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep? Oh, Jesus. Do you have an answer to this? Kind of. I would wake up not too early. Not like this morning at 6.15. Um, Why were you up at 6.15? Because my sleep... My sleep patterns are super fucked up right now. Because I'm napping every day in the middle of the day. It's like summer holidays for me. I get up and do stuff in the morning. And then I have an afternoon nap. And then I'm awake until 2. Like, it's just a really shitty cycle. Cycle, yeah, yeah. Um, No, I'd get up like, you know... 8 30 9 o'clock something like that uh have some breakfast go for maybe go for brunch have an eggs benedict it would be good um i would read a book for a while in the sunshine drink a cup of coffee probably have at some point in time to go see my mom and dad maybe for dinner i don't know um and just like do all the things that i like to do without any time pressure to do them yes you know read have a cup of coffee maybe like go see a friend whatever go see a movie watch a football game i don't know and then just like but just, like, at your leisure. At my leisure. Yeah, go have dinner with my folks, and then, I don't know, come home, watch some TV, something new that I haven't seen before. Um, you know, like, an episode of something or a movie or whatever, and then read a bit and go to bed. And I think mm-hmm. that would be lovely. I could probably do that, have done that today, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> if I'd really wanted to. Well... Not all of that is available to you right now. No, but a majority of them are. I wouldn't have had eggs Benedict because hollandaise is a pain in the ass to make uh, for <laughs> one meal. Um, but a meal is so much sweeter when someone else makes oh, it for you. so satisfying. What about uh, you? Mine's, mine's not that different. I feel like I would 
go to my favorite breakfast breakfast place and maybe drive to the mountains, take the dog for a walk at Canmore, come back, have a nap, read, watch something, and then maybe see some friends or play some games or something like that. Yeah. And I feel like if you ask me again uh, in three months when this, like, weird time is maybe potentially over or five months or whatever, my answer will be very similar. Like, I don't know, yeah. go outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to be any different. I think no. it's all going to get much more difficult once it starts to actually get nice, though. Yeah, the only difference is, and this is what I'm kind of hoping for, like, when it does start to get nice, I mean, obviously there's not a lot to, like, you know, won't be lots of places to go and stuff, but, like, I can go over to my mom and dad's and hang out in their backyard. Yeah. And just have some, you know, outside space that's, like, in the sun. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, if you could find out one thing about your future, what would you want to know? Oh, just, like, the day that I get kidney stones. <laughs> like I just feel like I'm really really dodging a bullet to not have had a kidney stone by now and that's just like my number one worry and concern in these anxious times (laughs) is when the kidney stone time will happen interesting yeah I will I change my behavior no Um, I don't know what I would want to know, because I feel like knowing sort of, I don't know, I got issues with that. Because, like, if you know, does it mean you can change it, or is it just you know and you can't, you know what I mean? Well, Outlander tells us that we can't do shit all with it. Yeah, and so, like, if that's, so if that's the the case, then I don't know if I want to know. Because if you can't, if it's something that you don't want to know, and it's just there, Mm -hmm. then it's just hanging over you, right? Uh, I'd like to know maybe if I ever win the lottery. That's what I'd like to know. Oh. I would have I would have to start buying lottery tickets. But... <laughs> I was going to say, are you partaking? No. Um, okay, uh, here's a terrifying question. Would you rather have 500 tarantulas crawling in your house or 1,000 crickets jumping around your house? Crickets. Fuck. Yeah, probably. Fuck tarantulas forever. I, would, I mean, I would light my house on fire, but crickets. Oh, I'd never go back inside. No. I'd move away. Okay, we got some FMKs. Excellent. There's four of them. They're from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Office. And awesome. I didn't I didn't write them, so just so you know. Shocking. <laughs> I'll even screenshot it and send it to you if you want, if you don't believe me. Um, okay, first one. FMK, Jim, Dwight, or Michael? Oh, for Triple murder. Really? They're all horrible. How is Jim horrible? Jim's horrible in the late seasons to Pam. He, yeah, fair enough. But, like, of the three of them, let's be honest here, there are levels of, of bad. Go ahead, you've heard my answer. And I think, I don't, I really hate Michael Scott a lot. Like, I've I've watched the show a lot of times. I really hate him. More than probably any other character on this show. Shocking. Even in the later seasons when he, like, gets better, I don't like him. I don't think he gets better, but okay. He he does get a little bit better. He softens up a bit. Um, But he just, he's so terrible. 
to so many people and he's like irredeemable and he absolutely needs to die. Mm-hmm. I feel like at his core, Dwight is not a terrible person. And I think that there are like moments where he shows that very clearly that he's not a terrible person. But like, he also needs to die. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. But the thing with the, the difference between the two of them and Jim is that like, yes, Jim is, is not great to Pam in like season nine, especially that whole like job in Philly bit. It, it sucks. Mm-hmm. He's terrible. But like the first, like season four, five, six, Jim is like peak Jim. And like just the things that he does, like I, I really like that part of him. Hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of what they did to him later. But, yeah, I don't know. I'd probably still... I don't know. I think you'd just fuck Jim. I don't know if you'd have to marry him. But I don't think it would be very good, is my point. Uh, I don't know. Because this is pre-Jack Ryan Jim. Okay, so... <laughs> fair, fair. That's true. That's this true. This is except, dad Jim. Except, like, but no, not, it's not quite true, because he was in that movie, that Benghazi movie, in whatever year that was, where you can definitely tell in the show that his yeah, body type Yeah, but that's season shifted. nine, Jim. That's no, not season like, four, five, six, Jim. No way. His body, they start, I think, I would say it probably starts to shift in, like, season seven. I'll <sighs> let you know in, like, a week and a half when I get through the series again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, next one. FMK, uh, Terry, Jake, or Boyle? Well, you kill Boyle. Yes. You marry Terry. Oh, actually. You, you definitely kill Boyle. I can agree with you on that one for sure. I think I think you marry Jake and I think you fuck Terry. No, I'm, I'm gonna... I don't think I can handle being married to Jake. Terry is so much more mature and calm and collected and what's the word I'm looking for? Neurotic. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, as long as you keep, as long as you keep the fridge stocked with yogurt, I'm sure everything's fine. He's the most regular man in the world. And that's coming from someone who refuses (laughs) to stop eating dairy and has (laughs) a somewhat allergy to dairy. However, (laughs) in some character development for Gelsey, I bought a bottle of lactate today. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're funny. Okay, uh, here's another FMK, uh, also from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Santiago Diaz or Gina? You fuck Diaz for sure. Okay. I think you killed Gina. I think so, too, because she's just... Too much. Just too much, yeah. But then also, like, Amy would, would... Would Amy not drive you nuts? Yeah, but I think Rosa would just be so... She's so uncomfortable with her emotions that I think that that would be even worse than someone who's super aware of their emotions. I prefer the super awareness of... What's okay. the other person's name again? <laughs> Amy? Amy, thank you. I already (laughs) forgot. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Okay. Um, What else do we have? Okay, if you had to choose to be born in a different era and or country, what would you choose and why? I really like Victorian England, but it was dirty and stinky 
I saw a really funny um, thing. I don't know if it's on Instagram or Twitter. It was one of the two. It doesn't matter. And it was about how, like, in Jane Austen novels, they were really good at practicing social distancing while courting. <laughs> and it was, like, shots from, like, four different movies. And, how and they're all just they were eight feet away. Yeah. <laughs> That's the British for you. Uh, it made me laugh. Um, yeah, that would be an okay... I don't know. Yeah, like, there's, like... I was thinking, like, even further back than that. But then, yeah, like, all the... I don't really need to be stepping over raw sewage in the streets. Yeah, like, maybe turn of the century Europe would be fascinating. Like the 20s. Like, I, like the 20s. Yeah, but the 20s were... <laughs> On a precipice. Yeah, yeah, but just the the 20s, you know, like from like 1922 to about 1927. Before the shit hits the fan. Yeah. And after the the influenza has already taken people out. Yes, exactly. I see. But also, Uh, like, wouldn't it be interesting to see like ancient cultures that had mastered like water irrigation? Like, like, to go, yeah, like, to go back to the Romans and see, like, the aqueducts and, and the... In Mexico and yeah. in South America. Like, that would be fascinating, too. Mesopotamia, that like... That would be super interesting. Um, okay. Another FMK. Uh, the... The song Covey Sisters from To All the Boys I've Loved Before. That's a great one. You have to keep Kitty around, and I don't particularly care about the other two, because Kitty's the fucking best. Yeah, Kitty. I think you actually marry Kitty. <laughs> I think so too. I think I think things would be super interesting with her because she's impetuous and, mm-hmm. but she's always right. <laughs> she she really is always correct. That's the thing. Um, and then I think Margot sucks the most, mostly because she's just sort of a non-entity. It's too bad, because... Have you read the books? No. Because it's too bad, because in the books, she's a lot more well-rounded. Yeah. um, Than she ever gets to be in the show. Which is fine. Um... But yeah, you marry Kitty, and then it doesn't matter what happens to the rest. Um, What is one article of clothing that someone could wear that would make you walk out on a date with them? A confederate flag. Oh, that's a good one. Anything that says make America great again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Or any, yeah, anything that's got like... Of that eagle- ilk? E- eagles and guns and American flags and shit like that. Like, no thanks, I don't need any of that. Yeah. Um. There's a dude on my street that has a license plate that says gun nut. And I'm like, who the fuck cares, my dude? The only vanity license plate that's worth anything is Anastart from Arrested Development. So, my father-in-law, my father-in-law had a pretty good one. He had this like teeny tiny Honda um, convertible, and he got a vanity plate that said Picante. <laughs> that's adorable. Awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, anything like, yeah, Confederate flags or anything like, yeah, bra bra USA kind of stuff, no thanks. Um, but, like, just in general, as, like, I'm thinking, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, an art, an actual, like, article of clothing, right? Like, not oh. so much what's on it, but, like... <laughs> cargo pants? <laughs> yes, or cargo Camouflage. shorts. Cargo shorts. Um. Crocs. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Um... 
Or like like an outdoorsman kind of vest with like the cargo pockets. There's a theme here. There is. Yeah, anything like that is just a no-go. Uh, a or fisherman's a, hat. I would take a fisherman's hat over, like, a backwards ball cap any day. Why? Because a fisherman hat <laughs> indicates a man of <laughs> manners and refinement? <laughs> no. No, I just, because I just, I can't handle the backwards ball cap, like, I just as a general thing. Okay. Especially if the backwards ball cap is accompanied by sunglasses. Like, just turn your fucking hat around, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, what is your cell phone wallpaper? Uh, it's my dog. Uh, mine is Clay Matthews, so. Um, and last question. Are you ready? Yeah, my dog's got a squeaky toy, so just FYI. Uh, okay, last last question. A fuck, Mary kill. Jim Halpert, Jack Ryan, or John Krasinski? Oh. I saved that one till the end. As soon as you said this is pre-Jack Ryan, I was like, okay, we're coming back to this one. Okay, for sure, for sure, you marry John Krasinski. Yes. You fuck um, Jack Ryan and yes. you kill oh, Jim Halpert. Hands down. I watched, I finished season two of Jack Ryan the other night. Uh, it's great. I just want more of that. It's good. Um, yeah, it was funny because I, I did not imagine... I don't think anyone could have predicted the glow-up that John Krasinski has undergone in the last little while. As soon as I knew he was with Emily Blunt, I was like, oh, you're going to expect great things from this man, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, no, it's it's good. He's good in that kind of stuff. Um and I don't, it was funny, in watching Jack Ryan, I don't care about any of the other characters, like, at all. So basically, he's carrying the show, which, mm-hmm. and he's, and he can, ultimately. That's fine, yeah. Which is good. Um, yeah. So that's, I think those are the only questions that I have. The only questions. I had so many. Um, that's all. That's all we got. Look at our quarantine episode, too. Look at us go. Thank God. I have to be, like, a racehorse. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> well... Well, that's all we have for this week. Uh, you can find us all over the internet on a whole bunch of places. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Make14. We have a Twitter account, Garbage Fire Pod. I think, yeah. On Instagram, we just celebrated our three-year anniversary of the podcast and didn't talk about it on the podcast at all, so that's great. Just brand management there. Yeah, we're awesome. We're, we're super good. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, we have a website. You can check that out. Maybe we'll update some posts. I don't know. Um... It doesn't I'll get matter. around to it eventually. <laughs> it's my only responsibility. Uh, and um, you can email us, garbagefirepodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much for listening. And stay home. <laughs> In your dumpster. <laughs>